Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. Okay, Romans chapter 9, as we continue through Romans chapter 9, 24 to 33 today. Again, let me just, uh, I'll keep kind of reiterating this as we're kind of walking through these chapters. It's important to keep in mind a Jewish mindset because Paul is defending salvation is through Christ alone. Yes, you are the chosen people of God, and he's anticipating questions that they are now wrestling with. Well, if we're the chosen ones, then why are there so many Jews that don't believe, right? And where where are the rest of the chosen ones, if you will, okay? And Paul is going to appeal to the Old Testament. He quotes the Old Testament a number of times to try to get the Jewish reader to understand. Yes, you were the chosen one, but salvation was not always just about you. The Gentiles were always included. And you want to wonder what's happening right now? Why all the Jews are not believing? It's no different than the Old Testament. You all didn't believe back then either when God chose you. This is the argument that he's building. And why is it that you didn't believe back then? Again, when I say back then, I'm talking about going back, which they would have known their history, right? Because of your lack of faith in Jehovah. So the same thing is happening today. The Messiah came. And for the large part, the Jewish people rejected the Messiah. So you ever hear history repeats itself? It's kind of what's happening. However, God used that for what? To bring in the Gentiles. You reject me, I'm going to now turn to the Gentiles. Has God forsaken his people, Israel? No. He hasn't forsaken you. Is there a hardening in Israel's heart? Remember we talked about the hardening in Pharaoh's heart, right? Yes. But God is using that hardening. It's almost like, okay, you know what? We're going to now proclaim to the Gentiles. So as we read through these verses, Paul is anticipating questions that the Jewish reader would have, which is stemming out of the fact that they are God's chosen people and like, what about us? What about us? What about us? All right. So these are some of the things that Paul is is anticipating and answering in the way he's writing these verses. So I I don't want us to get lost in the details. okay? because Paul, these particular chapters coming up are written very technical and and you might like what in the world is he talking about that's what i'm kind of giving you the end conclusion now before we jump in salvation is through christ alone salvation is not of works 
Salvation is not based upon the fact of your ethnicity, the fact that you are a Jew. And the reason many of you don't believe right now is not that God has failed in his promises. It's because you don't have faith. Wow. There it is. Bullet point summary. All right. And we'll see as how this plays out. Father, I pray as we look at your word now that you would open up our eyes, help us to understand your word as you've intended it to be understood. In Christ's name, amen. So, answering the question of what happened to the promises for Israel, remember we dealt with that last time, right? What about the promises? What about the covenant? Hey, what about us? What about us? Again, God did not default on his promises. Paul uses Old Testament teachings, which the Jews agree with, to explain, this is important, New Testament theology. That's a Bible study tip right there. You cannot understand the New Testament if you don't understand the Old Testament. That might sound backwards. Wait, well, the Old Testament is old. <laughs> you cannot understand the New Testament if you don't understand the Old Testament. This whole thing about salvation and the Jews perhaps struggling with, what about us? What about us? Paul is going to use the Old Testament because every Jew understood the Old Testament in order to explain this New Testament theology that he's putting forth. Okay? So all of a sudden, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, starts to write scripture dealing with and changing, if you will, Judaism. Well, that would raise some concerns for some Jews. Like, well, what are you doing? You're messing with stuff that was in the Old Testament. Paul begins to go back to the Old Testament. You see what they say right here in the Old Testament? Let me tell you what that really meant. <laughs> and he gives a fuller understanding. Okay? See, this, 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 this idea of, and this is why I think it's so important to understand, God in Genesis chapter 3 promises a redeemer. And it runs all the way through the Old Testament, through the prophets, through choosing Israel, through New Testament, John the Baptist, behold, there's the Lamb of God. All the way to the end of Revelations, where right now we are waiting for him to come back. Genesis to Revelations is about one person, Jesus Christ. You need to think that way when you talk to people. It's all about Christ. Don't get down <clears throat> or ro run down these roads, uh, a rabbit trail road. The focus is on Christ. Jesus Christ walking along the road to Emmaus comes alongside two disciples, right? And he's like, Jesus, ha have you heard what happened? Like, like, Jesus, this man came and he was supposed to be the Christ. And, the <laughs> and it's Jesus. That's hilarious. And what does he do? He shows these two people that are trying to put together all of this stuff. They're saying his body's not there anymore. Jesus takes the scriptures. Now, again, understand, they didn't have a New Testament then. He takes the scriptures, the Torah, the Old Testament, and begins to talk to these two people, and he explains to them, all of this is about me. Wow. Jesus Christ is the central figure of the entire Bible. So, Paul, in dealing with this New Testament theology, grace alone, not of works, 
he's going to use the Old Testament. And when he gets them in the Old Testament, they're going to be, yeah, we agree, we agree, we agree. Then he's going to point to New Testament realities in light of what they already agree on. It's a beautiful tactic. It's a wise tactic. Let's start with what we know we agree on. Okay? God is faithful to everything he promised. God is working his plan his way. We kind of dealt with that, the whole sovereignty thing. Jacob, have I chosen? Esau, have I hated, right? Like, I'm going to work this my way. All right? So, Romans 9, 24. Again, so he's in the middle of the argument. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Again, even us, Paul, Paul, Paul referring to himself. Now, Paul was a Jew, right? Yes, God, God has called us. God has called the Jewish people, has proclaimed salvation to them, but not just from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Now, notice he's going to quote his first, well, not his first time quoting the Old Testament, but he's going to quote Hosea. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. So he quotes an Old Testament passage dealing with Israel. And as he talks about what's going to happen, he says, they are not his people, but will be called his people. Now, if you go back and read Hosea carefully, what happened? Anybody remember what happened? Gomer, Hosea, right? That whole thing that happened. Because of Israel's disobedience, God paints a picture, right? And says, go marry who? Prostitute. Wow. Because Israel... This is what you have done. <laughs> You've left me. In a sense, you are no longer my people. <laughs> You've prostituted yourself out. But if you read the whole context of Hosea, what does he promise he's going to do? I'm going to bring back a remnant. Now, every Old Testament person understood this. They, they understood what God was doing. Paul, why is Paul quoting that in order to make his point now with his New Testament theology? Just keep that question in your mind. We're going to answer it in a minute, okay? But Jehovah is telling that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you back. God set his people aside for a time. Why? Because of her disobedience. Not God's lack of promise. Your disobedience, your hardness. All right, you following me? Okay, now. Now it is happening in the New Testament with the Jews. The same thing is now happening in Paul's day. It's the exact same thing. They rejected the Messiah. God's people, yep, God's people, yep, rejected the Lamb of God. For the large part, the Jewish people said, no, he's not our Messiah, right? He was crucified. Now, did all the Jews reject the Messiah? Well, no. 
Paul was a Jew. <laughs> he knows Christ. Other Jewish people came to know Christ. But in large, when you think about historically what happened during the time of Christ, the nation, the nation rejected him. They were in the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. Wow, the Lamb of God. We don't want him. Go back hundreds of years ago. God chose the people for himself. And what did they say? We don't want you, Jehovah. Same thing's happening. So they would have gotten how their ancestors divorced or were divorced from God. And by the way, who divorced who? You know, Jehovah said he divorced Israel. I'm not going to start talking about marriage and divorce right now, but I think that's an interesting thing, that Jehovah divorced Israel because her lack of faithfulness. You see the parallels, right? But here we are in Paul's day, and then notice what he says. He gives another New Testament, or I'm sorry, Old Testament passage, and Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it's a lot, only a remnant of them will be saved. Every Jew knew that prophecy. Every Jew knew that. Why is Paul saying that? Well, because, again, anticipating the Jews answering or asking the question, what about us? What about us? He says, well, even now today, same thing's happening. Same thing's happening. God is saving a remnant. God is, again, going back to that original question, what shall we say then? Is God unjust? Remember, he's, he's answering all of this from a Jewish perspective. So God is still saving. God is still saving Israel. But notice, even in Isaiah's day, only a remnant of them will be saved. Okay? Follow what Paul is doing here. He's answering the question, what about us as Jews? We're God's chosen people. And Paul's like, guys, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, go back into your old, own scripture and you see where you rejected Jehovah. But he, in order to fulfill his promise, always had a remnant. Why did he always save a remnant? Because who's coming through Israel? The Messiah. So his promise is going to still happen. You guys are, but I'm going to save a remnant. Why? Because through this seed, through this seed, Messiah is going to come. You're not going to snuff out my promise just because of your unfaithfulness. God always raised up a remnant. And guess what, guys? Right now, as he's writing this to them, look at how the nation has rejected him even in our time, meaning Paul's time. Right. And we could even probably extend that into our time, literally now, 2021. OK. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring. We would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Wow. It's God's judgment. That's God's judgment on Israel. Did you catch that? And thank God, if the Lord of hosts had not left some offspring, like don't destroy them all, like, like leave some. Why? 
we would have been like Sodom and Gomorrah if he didn't leave an offering, if he didn't have a remnant so that that promise will continue right on through the line. Again, Paul is not, he's not teaching something that the Jewish people didn't already know. The Jewish people know all this. Again, so why, why Paul, are you going Sunday school one-on-one on the Jews? They know all this because he's trying to get them to see the parallels between what's happening now and his day. You rejected him then, you rejected him now. He saved the remnant then, there's a remnant now that he's saving. And he's going to keep trying to make this point. You guys are so focused on we are God's chosen, therefore it should be signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm yours, Lord. No, it's not that cut and dry. Because salvation has always been based on faith, not works. So he's trying to show them, even if we go back into your own history, you see it's not just cut and dry because you're an ethnic Jew. Look, God judged Israel. Right? God divorced you. So it can't just be that cut and dry. There has to be more to it. So he's making this argument. What's his point? Why aren't more Jews believing in Jesus? Why do you say, well, why didn't you believe in Jehovah back then? (laughs) Salvation always involves the Gentiles as well as the Jews. And so again, like he said, for, for the sake of the Gentiles, a hardening has taken place amongst the Jews. And we talked about that hardening, right? Hardening again. That rejection, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. God's judgment came upon the Jews who were the chosen people, but yet even within that, still a remnant would be saved. So again, this this pushback that he's anticipating in light of Paul's day, Paul's time, why not us? What about us? So by quoting the Old Testament prophets, Paul is showing Israel's history of rejection and judgment by God. Folks, this is in your own history. The argument is they can't deny it. They know their history. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yep, that did happen. That is our that that's our history. And you're doing the same thing now. So why are you so surprised? <laughs> brilliant argument. A brilliant like defense. Right? To use your own life as evidence against you see what paul's doing okay he is building a case that currently they are being judged for rejecting just as in the old testament just like in the old testament okay now this time they are rejecting the gospel of jesus christ and again talking about jews as a nation as a whole right and you know, what, what is the judgment? We, we can go back in the Old Testament, look at the judgment that, that, that Jehovah did on the nation. What is the judgment that Jesus Christ declared? I'm going to destroy your temple. <laughs> you see the same thing happening. The, the center of worship, the temple, I'm destroying it. Because you've made it a den of thieves. It's no longer a house of prayer. It's no longer about worshiping me. I'm taking it out. Man, that echoes what happened in the Old Testament. 
when he judged Israel. You see what Paul's trying to do? Hey, boys, nothing's changed because <laughs> man's heart is still desperately wicked. But again, he's, he's, he's taking apart this appeal that many of the Jewish people had. We're Jewish. We're God's chosen. He's breaking that down. Even back then when you were chosen, you didn't like, uh-uh, see the judgment? Your ethnicity is not the crowning thing that makes you right with God. Okay? So again, he's making, and, and this is why I say I, I think we've got to be careful. Well, we've got to be careful that we're not using some of these passages to talk about individual salvation. I, I think that's the mistake people make. Because he's, he's, he's arguing specifically about a nation versus an individual. Okay? But again, like I said, there are people on different camps here, and we'll use this to say, well, this also applies to salvation, that Paul was talking about our individual salvation too, that he picks this one and doesn't pick this one, just like he's doing in this whole discourse. I, 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 I think you're reading stuff into it at that point. You're going outside the context of what he's talking about. Does that make sense? What shall we say then? Now, notice how he turns the focus back on the Gentiles. Now, watch carefully. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness. See, now I think he's getting, he's coming back to what, what is all this about? Why are you going back to the Old Testament? I think he's, he's coming to the conclusion of, let me tell you why I walked you down Old Testament 101, Jews. Let's bring it back to what we're dealing with now in Paul's day. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. Wow. They're not Jewish. They're not given the promises, the covenants, all those things. They're not even pursuing righteousness. They're pagan. But they've attained righteousness through faith. And the idea here is faith in Jesus Christ. So they left the end of the line, <laughs> went to the beginning in front of all of you Jewish people who were called by God, who were chosen by God. Do you see the argument he's making? They say, wait, 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 where, where, where are you taking those Gentiles? They're going to the front of the line. Why? Because they're righteous. They're not even Jewish. I know, but faith in Christ, now they are. That's the point Paul's trying to make in this chapter. Right? Watch. But that Israel, oh, yeah, okay, yes, thank you, that's us. Thank you, thank you. Who pursued a law, yep, that's us, yep, yep, we have did that, that would lead to righteousness, yep, 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 did not succeed. Oops. You see the contrast he's making, guys? I think this is the heart of his argument right here. Those who are God's chosen people pursuing the law that would lead to righteousness. You know, the Pharisees and everything that they did, they thought that I'm righteous to God. Like, God, I'm, I'm good because I keep the law. I tithe the mint. I tithe the cumin. I do all of these things. And, and Jesus is like, okay, guys, you see those guys? Okay, your righteousness needs to exceed that. This is the heartbeat of what Paul's trying to get them to see in Romans. 
They pursued this righteousness, but they did not succeed in reaching that law. There was nothing they could do, no law they could set, no man-made thing. If I could just do all this, I'll be right with God. This echoes what Paul said already in Romans, right? All of our righteousness is as what? Now do you see why that would have flew in the face of a Jew? Like, wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute. Our righteousness isn't that filthy rags. You see, you gotta you gotta think like a Jew when you're reading through Romans and all the implications of what it meant to be a Jewish person and to be right in the eyesight of God. Paul breaks it down. He brings the Gentiles into play now. He emphasizes what? Faith over works. Faith in Christ equals righteousness. Works is faith in man equals no salvation, my Jewish friends. Now, again, that would have flew in their face as, I don't want to hear that. You can't tell me I'm not right with Jehovah. By the way, don't forget, we're the chosen ones. They were putting so much on that. Not only in the Old Testament. And then they got shocked when, when Jehovah stepped in and start spanking them and then divorce them but kept a remnant right you fast forward to the time of jesus christ you you hear this same mindset among the pharisees when they get into an argument with jesus what do they say to jesus we're sons of abraham see he didn't realize that like jesus looked at him like wow really now you're really of your father the devil do you know the insult that would have been to a Jewish person? No, we're, we're Jewish people. We're chosen by God. Yes, you are Jewish. Yes, God chose the nation. But you're missing there's a lot that happened within that. And right now, you are of your father, the devil. For he is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. And you guys are liars. Like, you got to understand. Jewish person hearing that? They did not like that. <laughs> We're Abraham's children. You see how they appeal to their ethnicity? Now, again, they're appealing to the fact that they are children of the promise. Were they children of the promise collectively as Jewish people? Yes. But we just saw in the Old Testament the children of the promise got spanked and the children of the promise got rejected, except the remnant. That part they forgot. You're not just in because you're Jewish. <laughs> you're in because faith in God, in what God has said. You see? So Jesus at one point looks at them and says what? You're, oh, you're children of Abraham. You realize God could raise up children of Abraham from these stones right here? I mean, you see him just poking holes in their security in the fact that they're Jewish, therefore they're okay with God. And this is why the nation hated him. Their Messiah came right among them, walked among them. The one who all their ancestors were looking for, prophesying, here he is among them, and they received him not. Paul says, that's what your problem is right now, guys. You're worried about why are these Gentiles? Well, what's up with these Gentiles? Why are these Gentiles? Well, because it, the Gentiles were always included. And right now, God, because you've rejected him, the camera's on the Gentiles right now. Powerful, powerful argument. 
Now, again, so they did not attain the, re- the righteousness. The Jewish people did not pursue or they pursued righteousness, did not attain it. Right. Why? Because they did not pursue it. How? Through faith or by faith. But as it were, based on works, there's the heartbeat of Romans. Faith in God, not works. And he does this whole big dialogue with the Jewish people being chosen, being divorced, all of this stuff to come down to what's the bottom line. Righteousness is not through works. It's through faith. So he's given that lesson to the Jewish people, but it's a lesson for all people. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. Talking about the Jewish people. As it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Here he brings Jesus Christ into the picture. Jesus Christ is the stone. Jesus Christ is the rock. But to the Jewish person, they stumbled over the stone. They rejected the stone or the rock symbolizing Jesus Christ. They rejected him. And yet Paul says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The Gentiles believed in him. They put faith in who Christ is. And so they were made righteous. You guys rejected the Messiah, so you stumbled and you missed it. Wow. Powerful argument. He combines two Old Testament passages when he's looking at Hosea and Isaiah to make this argument. See, again, allow the New Testament to interpret the ultimate meaning of the Old Testament. You have to look at how the New Testament writers took the Old Testament and interpreted it, gave it a fuller interpretation with the context being Jesus Christ. Now, this is what our Jewish brothers and sisters don't like. And that's why, you know, they don't accept the New Testament. Because they know you don't have a right to go into the law and change what those prophecies mean. It's like, no, we don't. But God does. <laughs> but, it, but understanding, so when you have a New Testament writer going in and saying, here's the Old Testament passage. Let me give you the fuller meaning of that. That was talking about Jesus Christ. That's where the Jewish people, even today, many are like, no, no, stop. We don't accept the New Testament. Only the Old Testament is the word of God. You can see why they're saying that. Because the New Testament writers are constantly going into their Old Testament and saying that was about Jesus, that was about Jesus, that was about Jesus. Many of the Old Testament passages are quoted and points to Jesus as the promised Messiah. This is the argument that Paul was making. Why are the Jews failing at obtaining salvation? They were pursuing righteousness through works. They rejected the Messiah as was predicted in the Old Testament, and that became a stumbling stone for them. I remember talking to a Jewish guy one day, and he was like, well, you, you believe Messiah has already come. I said, I do. I said, do you believe Messiah is coming? He said, yes, Messiah is coming. Yeshua is coming. I just asked him one simple question. How will you know? How will you know when he's here? And he immediately went to political kingdom being set up. Israel being finally 
rising to her rightful place. Jewish people being in authority. Like he, he went right to where the disciples went with Jesus Christ, which is why the Jews don't believe the Messiah came, because Jesus Christ did not get rid of Rome. They missed the bigger picture. He wasn't coming to set up a kingdom of peace during his time. He was coming to give peace to mankind in the presence of a holy God by dying for our sins. You worry about setting up a political kingdom, but you're still a sinner. And what happens when the judge of all, God, comes to judge you? You Look at our peaceful kingdom we set up. Like you're still a sinner. Disciples believed that he was coming for political purposes. Jesus came for spiritual purposes. Now, is he coming back again? Absolutely. We await the day for Christ to come back and set up his kingdom. Absolutely. The timing was off with the disciples. And even with many Jews that were still waiting for that Messiah. So don't miss the heartbeat of what Paul is saying here. All of this is filtering down to what point? Paul's trying to make the point in this context. Salvation is through faith in the one who you stumbled over, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, regardless of your Jewishness, regardless of the promises that were made to you, it was always about faith in Jesus Christ. You talk to people about salvation, you got to bring people to that truth. It's about Jesus. Well, what about these denominations and all these denominations? Oh, stop, stop. Let's talk about Jesus. Can we talk about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Many of my conversations now, we can talk about all those perimeter things. We can talk about that. We can talk about that. But hold up. Can you put that on? What do you believe about Jesus? I'm going to bring the conversation right to the person, Jesus Christ, who claimed to be God in the flesh. Let's talk about that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And from there, I'm going to take the conversation to how I believe, why I believe he is God in the flesh because of the resurrection. I'm gonna, that's where, for me, many of my conversations start there with someone. Because we can argue denominations. We can argue versions. We, well, my church, and I know a pastor who got five Mercedes. Okay, okay. What do you think about Jesus? <laughs> Not religion. Let's talk about Jesus. Because this is all about he claimed to be God. Let's start there. That's where I take people. And then I take, I know he's Christ because he got up out of the grave. That's where I take my conversation. And then we talk about, well, you don't, but you weren't there. You don't know. You don't know. Okay, right. I wasn't there. Yep, I wasn't there. So let's talk about some other options of what could have happened to the body. Because everybody agrees he died and was buried. So, okay. All right, we agree on that. Now we're standing there looking at an empty tomb. What do you think happened to the body? That's where I take people. Because as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if Jesus be not risen from the dead, your faith is bogus and you are still dead in your sins. I've learned in my own personal witnessing with people, I'm going to go right to the main character. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about the resurrection. Resurrection authenticates that he's God. And what did he say as God? Unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. Let's deal with that. This is what Paul is doing. He's taking it right back to Jesus Christ, who lived. And here's the thing. Keep this in mind. Then we got to end. The people he's talking about, the people he's writing to in his day, Jesus Christ lived 
during their time. You're not talking about something that happened hundreds of years ago. Talking about Jesus Christ, who they knew was a real person, historically that lived and died. There's still people alive who witnessed the death and the resurrection. That's who Paul's talking to. So they're very close to the events of the main character. And that's why you see when Paul is talking, he keeps coming back to Christ. He keeps coming back to Christ. And that's what he does in this passage. Father, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for our salvation. Again, that comes through faith in Christ alone. God, I praise you that it's not of our works. There are no works that anybody can do to be right with you, no matter how good the works seem. You've already declared all of our good is filthy. It's filthy. Because no good work can remove my sin. Only the blood of Christ, only the sacrifice that was given, his death, his resurrection, God, frees us from the bondage of sin. And now we do good works, not to earn your salvation, but because of your salvation. God, I pray that you would make this truth clear to the hearts of all those listening. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.